throughout the summer, our summer series has been on the book of Joshua. And today we're going to take a break from that series. I want to pause that series for one Sunday, because today I'd like to bring a message of encouragement to our Go Partners, and really though, a message of encouragement to the entire church. Now the title of the message is, How to Stay Fresh in Ministry. But really it applies to all of us, because what we're talking about is, how to stay fresh in your walk with the Lord. How to have a vital relationship with Jesus Christ. When so much is going on around you that makes it difficult to do that. I was reading a book recently and the author was talking about, he said, he was talking about, he said, my overburdened mind and my underrested soul. When I read that, I highlighted it in the book because I could identify with that. I could identify with those words of having an overburdened mind and an underrested soul. I know what that feels like. And I bet some of you do as well. I bet some of our Go partners know exactly what that feels like. Trying to do your best in ministry and trying to give your best to the Lord, but at the same time, experiencing an overburdened mind and an underrested soul. It's interesting, we don't forget that we're Christians, but we sometimes do forget that we're human. We sometimes do forget that we have problems like everybody else does. And that oversight can drain the life right out of us. I came across an article sometime back, and I would tell you who wrote it, but I, I didn't write it down, and it was in my files for a long time, so I can't give credit to the author. But, but the article was, Signs That You're Heading Towards a Burnout. I'm going to give you seven of the statements that he made. First of all, he said, one of the signs that you're heading for a burnout is that your passion fades. That is, you, don't, you no longer are passionate about what you used to be passionate about. You know it's important, you're just not passionate about it anymore. He said, number two, another sign of you're heading to a burnout is your main emotion is numbness. You just no longer feel the highs and the lows of life. You're just kind of numb to everything. You're going through the motions. You're trying to do your job, but you're just kind of numb, even to the things of God. Number three, he said one of the signs you're headed toward a burnout is that everybody drains you. You know, there's people in your life that normally put life back into you. You enjoy being around them. It might be your spouse, it might be your family, it might be your best friends, but you can get to the point where everybody drains you and nobody replenishes you. He said another sign that you're heading toward a burnout is that little things set you off. That what used to be maybe a 2 or 3 on the problem scale, now is an 11. And almost everything is an 11. And one of the signs that you may be headed for burnout is that you, everything just sets you off so easily. He said, number five, you become cynical. One of the things that I've discovered is that cynicism never finds a home in a healthy heart. But cynicism often finds a home in a hard heart. Number six, he said, one of the signs that you're heading towards a burnout is that nothing satisfies you. The things that used to make you happy don't make you happy anymore. The things that used to put joy in your life don't put joy in your life. You're just not satisfied with anybody or anything. And then he said, number seven, 
One of the signs that you might be headed toward a burnout is that you can't think straight. Your heart messes with your head and you lose the ability to think clearly. Now the question is, how do we avoid those things or how do we get out of them if we find ourselves there? Or maybe I should say the question this way, what do we do to maintain our passion for the Lord? Or how can we regain our passion for the Lord? Now, wouldn't it be great if you could just kind of sit down with somebody who you consider to be a spiritual giant and say, I just want to pick your brain. I just want to find out how is it you do what you do? How is it that you maintain the spiritual passion that you maintain? For example, when I was in seminary, before I was ever a pastor, I was in seminary in Fort Worth, Texas, 23, 24 years of age, I had an assignment as a seminary student to go interview, quote, a successful pastor. So I thought I would start at the top. First Baptist Church, Euless, Texas. The pastor of First Baptist Euless Church in Texas was a man named Dr. Jimmy Draper, who at the time was the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. You need to understand that when I came to seminary, I left a church that had about 40 on Sunday, a little white church on a hill. And now I'm in Texas where everything is big in Texas and I'm in a mega church, not only a mega church, not only a mega church pastor, but I'm talking to the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. My eyes were about that big. I had never been a pastor before, but I had the privilege of sitting in his office and hearing from him what it's like to be a pastor. How do you do that? That was a learning experience I will never forget and forever grateful for. What if you could have one of those kind of experiences? I mean, let's just think about life in general. You know, if you could talk to somebody that was at the top of their game, if you've got goals in life, and if you could talk to somebody who's been there, done that, very successful, and you could lean in and learn from them, wouldn't that be amazing? I mean, a couple of examples. If you want to be a football coach, and you said, I've got a personal appointment with Dabo Sweeney. I'm going to learn how to be a football coach from Dabo Sweeney. Or if you're a Carolina fan, I've got, I'm going to go back a little bit and I'll tell you why. If you're a Carolina fan, say, that's not a slight, that's not a slight. (laughs) If you're a Carolina fan, what if you could get an appointment with Steve Spurrier? Say, I've always wanted to be a football coach. How how could you do that? How, How do you do what you do? The reason I said Steve Spurrier, he grew up in my hometown, went to my high school years before I did but I played at Steve Spurrier Little League Park. So what if you could sit down with the ball coach and say, come on, give me your secret. Tell me how you do what you do. Let's take that to a spiritual realm. What if you could talk to the greatest missionary who ever lived and lean in and say, I got my notebook. I want you to tell me. How do you do what you do? How do you maintain your spiritual passion? How do you put up with all the junk and yet still love Jesus? How do you keep a heart for those who are lost? How do you do that? How do you keep the fire burning? What if you could sit down with the greatest missionary in the world and have him tell you how he does it? What his secret is? Well, we're fortunate we get to do that today, not listening to Pastor Keith, but opening the Word of God to the book of Philippians. The greatest missionary in the world writes this letter to the church at Philippi. He wrote the letter probably about 10 years after he had been at that church. 10 years have passed, and he's writing to this church that is still very dear to him. It's around the year 60 or 61 A.D. 
And he finds himself, as he writes this letter, he finds himself in prison. Now, there's not a whole lot to do in prison, especially in that day. So, apparently, Paul prayed a lot, and he wrote letters. And during that time of praying and writing letters, he wrote four letters that are now in our Bibles. Three of those letters were to churches, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. And then he wrote one letter while he was in prison to an individual named Philemon. But I want you to understand what Philippians is. Philippians is really, listen to this, it is a missionary thank you letter to give a report about what God has been doing. Now that's just not something I made up. You, you just look on any commentary, look in your study Bibles, and it will describe Philippians in that way. It is a missionary thank you letter in which the missionary reports on the progress of his work. So guys, our Go Partners, this is a letter from a missionary writing to the church that has been supporting him and writing to them about the report, if you will, a progress report of what's been happening in his ministry and in his life. But in the context of writing this letter to the church, Paul gives us some secrets about how he maintains his spiritual passion. And I'll tell you how you can find those secrets. Look for the word, I. Now, to stay true to the text, that was not his purpose in writing Philippians. His purpose was to give a report about the progress he's made. So he's not writing to the church to tell them, uh, okay, here's some secrets to the Christian life. That's not why he's writing. But as he describes his life to the church at Philippi, as he describes his ministry to the church at Philippi, he talks about things that he does, and he uses the word I. Things that that I do, things that I experience, things that I believe. And when you look at these words, I, we're going to look at three or four of them depending on time. It's amazing how you see that's one of the secrets. That's one of the things that made Paul, Paul. That's one of the things that kept the fire burning. That's one of the things that kept him fresh in ministry. And so let's look and see what Paul says. Because here's the cool thing. Everything we're going to read today is not only something that Paul did, it's something that we can do. So let me give you three or four of those. Number one, if you want to stay fresh in ministry or if you want to stay fresh in your walk with the Lord, keep a grateful heart. Keep a grateful heart. Paul begins with the first I in chapter 1 verse 3. I thank my God every time I remember you. Here's that first I statement, and it's an important statement from the Apostle Paul. Because it it sets the tone for the rest of the letter. And Paul is revealing through this I statement his heart of gratitude for the people that, that God has placed in his life. The people that God has used to partner with him in the ministry. If you're taking notes, would you write down this very simple sentence? God uses grateful people. I found that over and over and over again, that God uses grateful people. Rick Warren said this, he said, gratefulness is one of the keys to longevity in ministry. And if you don't stay grateful, you'll become cynical. Oh, that is so powerful. Gratefulness is one of the keys to longevity in ministry. And if you don't stay grateful, you will likely grow cynical. Paul was thankful and grateful for the people of God at Philippi, 
And it's really fascinating to think about because if you know anything about Paul's experience at Philippi, you can read, by the way, the historical record in Acts 16 of what Paul did at Philippi. But in Acts 16, when you read there, it was not all pleasant. When, Acts, when Paul went to, to Philippi in Acts 16, there, there was a lot of negative experiences that he had there, a lot of challenges that he faced there in Philippi. For example, Paul was hounded by a demon-possessed girl when he was in Philippi. Paul was also arrested illegally while he was in Philippi. He was beaten and placed in chains and imprisoned while he was in Philippi. He was publicly humiliated while he was in Philippi. Those are hardly the things that make for good memories. We probably wouldn't say about that time, that's one experience I'll never forget. That's one experience I'm glad it's over and I'll never forget it. And yet Paul said this, chapter, three, chapter 1, verse 3, I thank God every time I remember you. You see, instead of focusing on the bad things that happened to him in Philippi, Paul chose instead to focus on the good things. So I believe that when Paul said, I thank God for everything that happened there, I think he was probably thinking of that time when Lydia came to faith in Christ on the bank of the river in Philippi, Acts chapter 16. I think he probably was remembering that night in jail when all of a sudden there was an earthquake as they were singing praises to God. And the jailer came in and knelt down and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And he and later his whole household came to faith in Christ that evening. I think he was probably also remembering uh, those other experiences like that poor demon-possessed girl that was, that was harassing him and, and now she was set free from that oppression. Ten years after it had all transpired, Paul had developed a, cap a capacity to remember the best and forget the rest. And if you're going to stay fresh in ministry, you have to develop the capacity to remember the best and forget the rest. Because it's not all fun, is it? It's not all easy. And yet there will be great times, glorious times, kingdom times. And so if you want to stay fresh in ministry, you have to have a selective memory. I've really tried to live this out in my own life. You, the Mount Airy family, have heard me say many times that I'm grateful to God to be your pastor. You have heard me say that I love this church and it is one of my greatest honors to be your pastor. And What you may not have known is that I was trying to live out this principle. I've tried to have a grateful heart, a heart of gratitude. And I mean every word that I say when I say that I thank God for you. I mean that from the bottom of my heart, but I'm also trying to live out the Scripture. Those are not shallow words for me. And so you don't know this, but many times as I walk the hallways on Sunday, just quietly in my spirit, I'll see young families walking by, and I'll say, God, thank you for those young families that are here today. And I'll be walking towards the door, and somebody opens the door, and I'll say, God, thank you that somebody is there serving today like that by opening a door. And I'll see somebody that's back, and I haven't seen you in a while. God, thank you that you brought them back to church today. And I try Sunday after Sunday to have a grateful heart. Because here's what I'm learning. I haven't learned it all the time yet. I still don't do it all the time. Here's what I'm learning. I've learned over the years, when I maintain a grateful heart, I tend to focus more on what I do have rather than what I don't have. There was a study done by three psychologists. They made some, some tremendous insight or gained some tremendous insight about gratitude. They said grateful people, number one, tend to be more empathetic towards people. 
Grateful people in their study tend to forgive others more. And grateful people are more likely to have a positive outlook on life. So if you want to maintain your spiritual vitality, if you want to be fresh in ministry, you have to work on maintaining a heart of gratitude. Max Licato tells a story of a personal friend of his named Jerry. He said, Jerry is 78 years old and he regularly shoots his age in golf. Now, 78 and you can shoot your age, that's pretty impressive. If I ever shoot my age in golf, I'll have to live to be about 110. So Max said, Jerry just regularly shoots his age in golf and, and he has this amazing outlook on life and He said, but what you don't know about Jerry, unless you know him well, is that he also has a dear wife named Ginger who battles Parkinson's disease. And he said, in what should be a wonderful time, a wonderful season of retirement, is often filled with multiple hospital stays and medications and struggles. And he said, yet Jerry never complains. He always has a smile on his face and a a joke to share with you. And he said, one day... Max Lucado said, one day I just had to ask him, said, Jerry, what's your secret? And he said, well, Max, every morning Ginger and I sit together and we sing a hymn. And I ask her what she wants to sing. And she always says, let's sing Count Your Blessings. So we sing it and we count our blessings. There will always be painful things in your life. Always. But what you have in Christ is greater than anything you don't have in life. We don't have the time to look at it, but Paul later in the same letter talks about those times when we're anxious and those times when we're worried. And he says in Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 and 7, he says, listen, you need to pray about it, but don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. But then he uses this phrase, with thanksgiving. Just pray about it. Pray about it with thanksgiving. Because a grateful heart is a wonderful tool against the devil. Gratitude to God will protect you from the enemy's arrows. If you want to stay fresh in ministry, if you want to stay fresh in your walk with the Lord, maintain a heart of gratitude. Number two, press on when you'd rather give up. As we continue to read Paul's letter, again, we're looking for those I statements where he gives us personal testimony. And we go to chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. And here's what Paul says in verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. You certainly probably have that underlined in your Bible, but if not, I would encourage you to do so. At least those three words, I press on. Paul, what is your secret? World's greatest missionary. You have a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. What is your secret? How do you stay fresh in ministry? How do you maintain your walk with the Lord? And Paul would say, I got to tell you, there's some days I just have to press on. There's some days that aren't easy. There's some days that are frustrating. There's some days that nearly brings me to tears. There's some days that I feel like a failure. There's some days that I just really mess up everything. There's some days when I, when I say minister of, of worship, when it should have been minister of, minister of missions, I can't even say it right now. But you've got to press on. Look at the text real closely. 
Not that I have already obtained all of this. Or have already been made perfect. I love this. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. You know what Paul's saying? Our relationship with Jesus is not a past tense experience. It is, it is a present tense journey. Keep going. I'm trying to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I've got a purpose in life. And I keep pressing on, trying to accomplish. You see, God's purpose for your life is far greater than the problems that you have in life. Far greater. So Paul says, I press on through the problems because his purpose is far greater than my problems. Sometimes I just got to press on. And then he says in verse 13, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. I love that word yet. There's honesty in that word, isn't there? There's humility in that word. I do not consider that I've taken hold of it yet. I, but I'm still going after it. But I'm still pursuing it. Paul knows that he's saved and he knows that he's sanctified, but he also is not satisfied. So he says, I'm still going after it. I'm still pressing on. One of the things that made Paul such a great Christian and a great missionary, is that his relationship with Jesus was more important than his reputation as a Christian. So he, he humbly said, listen, I'm not there yet, but I keep pressing on to get there. Can I just say to our Go Partners and to everyone, it's often very tempting to put up a front that you've got it all together. When you know inside, you're crumbling. Paul says, here's one thing I do. I want to be honest with you. I'm not, I'm not there yet. I'm not what I want to be or need to be yet. But I'm pressing on toward that goal. And then he gives us verse 13. Such a powerful verse. He says, but one thing I do. But one, th I want you to feel the weight of that statement. But one thing I do. It would be like if you want to be a basketball player and you talk to Michael Jordan and you say, tell me the secret. Tell me the secret. He says, okay, there's one thing that is like the big secret. If Michael Jordan said, here's the big secret to being a great basketball player, you would be leaning in with both ears. Paul says, here's one thing I do. Here's one thing that's kept me fresh in ministry. Here's one thing that has helped my walk with Christ, here's one thing that has made it possible for me to maintain my passion for Jesus. Here it is. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Paul said, shortest translation, Paul said, I've decided to stop worrying about yesterday because that's past. It's gone. It's past. And so rather than Holding on to what's in my past, I'm going to strain towards what's in my future. Can I say to you, God knows all about the pain of your past, but He's focused on the promise of your tomorrows. And Paul said, that's what I'm leaning into, that's what I'm straining for, that's where I'm heading. I've got to quickly go to number three. Number three, Paul says this, Here, here's the other way that I've maintained my passion for ministry. Number three, learn to be content in your relationship with Jesus. There's another I statement in chapter 4. Paul gives his personal testimony. 
He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you have had no opportunity to show it. And I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Look at all these eyes in this testimony. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty, and I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. The circumstances in Paul's life, you need to understand at this particular time, as he's writing these words, you need to understand as he's writing these words, he likely had chains on his wrist. And he writes, I've learned to be content in every situation. In fact, he doesn't just say, I've learned to be content. He says, I've learned the secret of being content. And the word secret is an interesting word. It, it, it means that I, that I have some information or a bit of knowledge that is not commonly known. And so Paul says, I've learned the secret to contentment. And if anybody, like the Apostle Paul, were to say to me, Keith, I've learned the secret and I want you to learn it too. Here it is. I'm going to have my journal out and my pen ready because I want to write down what Paul's going to say to me. And here's what he says, verse 13. In verse 12, let's pick it up in verse, verse 12. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty and I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And here's the secret. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. What Paul had in Jesus was far greater than what he did not have in life. Paul says, I've learned the secret. I've learned the secret, and the secret is this. What I have in Jesus is greater than anything else I could have with anyone else. What I have in Jesus is greater than anything else I could have anywhere else. You know this, but may I remind you that you'll never find lasting contentment in people, places, positions, or possessions. You might find contentment for a while, but you will never find lasting contentment in any of those. Paul found the satisfaction that his heart desired in his daily relationship with Jesus Christ. So here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. Just start living for a different list. For some of you, the list is people, places, positions, possessions. You need to wad that list up and throw it away and write another list with one name on it. Jesus. Jesus. And if you say to me, Keith, I'm, not just, I'm just not content in life anymore. Nothing satisfies me anymore. Nothing makes me happy anymore. I don't know what's wrong with me. Maybe it's because you're living for you instead of for Jesus. Paul says, I found the secret. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now, the reason I told you as we started today that the Apostle Paul wants to give us some advice on how to finish strong, how to stay fresh in ministry. That it really is from that perspective. Because I want you to see what he writes in chapter 4. Uh, go back a few verses. As he ends this letter, that we come to the fourth chapter, I want you to see what he says in verse 9. Here's what he said. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Again, it would be like 
you want to be an Olympic swimmer. And Katie Ledecky says, whatever you have heard or seen in me, put it into practice. Just watch how I do it. And you'll learn how to do it too. And Paul says, whatever you have heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And if you will, you'll stay fresh in ministry. If you will, you'll maintain your walk with the Lord. If you will, the God of peace will be with you. Now, I want to give you a challenge that, that I gave to our Go Partners this weekend. Back in, during COVID, one of the things that I did to kind of freshen up my personal walk with the Lord was that I started uh, with just an open journal and an open Bible. And I started writing out the letter of 1 Peter. I would go line from line. I was writing in my journal what I'm reading in 1 Peter. Now, let me make sure you understand, I wasn't writing my ideas about 1 Peter. I wasn't recording my thoughts about 1 Peter. I was literally copying 1 Peter in my journal. And I wrote the entire letter of 1 Peter. And I enjoyed it so much, it was so refreshing for for my soul, that I went back to the next book, 2 Peter, and I wrote the entire book of 2 Peter in my journal as well. And again, my purpose was not to highlight things or circle things or make my own thoughts. My purpose was I wanted to put pen and paper and take the Word of God and just sit there with it. And just let the Word of God speak to me as I write it out like Peter wrote it out. I want to encourage you to do that with Philippians. I want to encourage you to get a a journal or a notebook and sit down with the book of Philippians. It's only a four chapters long. I think it's 104 verses, four chapters long. Sit down with Philippians and just write it out. Word for word. Just copy it. Word for word. And there's something about putting pen to paper that you see things you've never saw before and the Spirit of God has the opportunity because you're going so slowly. The Spirit of God has the opportunity to speak in you in special ways. And maybe as you're writing out Philippians, you will hear Paul say again and again, I do this and I do that. And you'll realize there are some things I need to do as well. Let me pray with you. I thank you, Father, for who you are and that you are our Lord and our God. You are our King and the one that we turn to and trust in. And we are grateful for your word, God, that just speaks into our lives. Your word that directs us and encourages us. And now I pray, Father, that you would just, in a powerful way, continue to refresh us. I pray for our Go Partners, God, for just a fresh spirit within them as they open your word. May the Spirit of God take the word of God and refresh and renew them every day. But may you also do it for all of us. As we open Philippians or some other book, may the Spirit of God take the Word of God and really renew us in a special way. And I pray that in Christ's name, amen.